So what do you think now? Does the whole America equal opportunity land of the free idea really work today? America is not a place where the chance of birth or circumstance should decide our destiny. And that's why we need to build new ladders of opportunity into the middle class for all who are willing to climb them. Now, this comment got an applause in the State of the Union address this year. But consider what he said. America is not a place where chance of birth or circumstance should decide our destiny. This is in America, by definition, the place where chance of birth and circumstance does not decide destiny. These new ladders of opportunity into the middle class Obama was talking about are not new. They would be, in fact, rebuilt ladders to correct a reality that America has lost its way as an equal opportunity economy. Well, the Urban Institute claims in a study that the recession has exposed the United States as an economy without equality of opportunity, a disparity that has so solidified in the past five years that only radical efforts to level the playing field will have any hope of succeeding. In studio with us now is Derek Hamilton, associate professor of urban policy and economics at the New School right here in New York. Derek, welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So uh, the recession really has created some patterns or exposed some patterns that you say are nearly structural in the economy right now. Yes, particularly on certain groups in the population, certain subgroups are more vulnerable than others. Let's talk about those groups. Well, we know there are racial groups that are more vulnerable, and we can even extend beyond race and talk about class, but um, there seems to be persistently throughout um, our modern history and the history of the country in general that certain groups suffer more, and namely that black groups suffer more during times of um, economic downturns. Now, it's been the case really for most of American history that uh, when America began to track white unemployment and black unemployment and then the general unemployment rate, that uh, black unemployment almost always exceeded white unemployment by, by a significant factor. What has this recession taught you that's new about that disparity? Well, we can even go a step further and say that the gap has usually been two to one which is, you know, why is it that it's two to one all the time? No matter what scenario we have, if it's uh, times of prosperity and times of downturn, it literally the black rate has been twice as much as the white rate. So then when you have times of downturns and then the white rate goes to 7%, the black rate reaches depressionary levels of, you know, if it's two to one, if the white rate is 8%, the black rate hovers around 16%. So you wonder what is it structurally about unemployment that keeps that gap two to one? What does the picture show you if we're talking about Hispanics? Well, Latinos are interesting because they're somewhat, you know, you have different time periods in which there are mass immigrations of Latinos. Uh, the Latino group is somewhat in an intermediary category, but they have high levels of unemployment that rivals the black rate as well. So is it even appropriate to talk about a level playing field in the United States? Is it an absurdity? Are there things that we can do to address this structural problem outside of the, you know, constantly complaining about the wealth gap and the 99 percent? Well, I'd say that the narrative of America is that if you work hard and play by the rules, you'll, you'll be fine. Right. Um, but unfortunately, if that narrative is not there, it actually could have a, a detrimental effect with the narrative in that we don't even address it. It almost becomes where we can't even talk about race. We can't even talk about things like class. We get we get accused of cannibalization when that we're one country and all that. So um, having that narrative can be also problematic in that it removes options, public options from addressing it. Um, But unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be true that all groups have equal access. I mean, we can even look within certain categories. We can stratify by education. Um, A recent report showed that blacks with some college had higher levels of unemployment than whites that had dropped out of high school. And uh, so the the structural 
issue there is that unless you do something to compensate or to aggressively level the playing field at a certain moment in either the lives of these individuals or during their employment history, you have no chance of correcting this because it accumulates over time. Yes. So what what would we do? What would we do? You talk about something called uh, uh, you know bonds for you know way beyond early childhood education. Yeah, we need bold policies to address these bold inequities and structural bound structural boundaries. So in the issue of wealth, I would argue that what is a big determinant of wealth? Intergenerational transfers is the biggest determinant of wealth than you know, virtually right. any other aspect of, of one's life. And when do people start to accumulate their life, their wealth? When they reach their young adulthood. So you can have somebody who's a young adult and they can get some sort of endowment from some source, be it a loan, be it their parent, and then they use that endowment to start some sort of asset-building endeavor that will mature over their life so that they can have a lifetime of, of wealth building. So we need some policy that can really level the playing field, not a giveaway, not a handout, but something that allows somebody a chip in the game so that when they become a young adulthood, they have some assets by which they can invest and take part in home ownership. So uh, a graduation from high school or college uh, would would result in some asset being given to you from the government that then you could invest or use to start a business or maybe to buy some real estate asset that's going to accumulate over time. That's correct. My my colleague, William Darity and I, he goes by Sandy Darity. We've been talking about baby bonds, and that name was coined by the recently deceased uh, African-American historian Manning Marable. We do personal conversations. We, we were describing child development account that actually Hillary Clinton had proposed when she was running. And not only Hillary Clinton, Republicans and Democrats alike have latched on to the idea of, of child development accounts. But we proposed something more bolder, something that would be larger in endowment and pro- more progressive. So that if you're born into the most wealth poor family, you would get a larger, a, the larger endowment that could mature when you become an adult and use towards some asset enhancing endeavor. And the idea of it is not, you know, we want to encourage saving. We don't want to discourage savings. But the idea is to protect the children from any decision that their parent might make with regards to savings and also whatever wealth position that they're born in at birth so that we truly can have a, a, a level playing field. Let's you know, it's a provocative idea. Lots to think about for the rest of the day. Before we go, just a few seconds. Would this be in addition to welfare programs, social uh, programs that already exist, or would this replace some? Frankly, I think if we have better resource children, we can do away with subsistence programs, and it would lead to a reduction in a lot of the welfare spending that we already are making. Derek Hamilton, professor of economics and urban policy at the New School here in New York City. What do you think about this idea? Uh, an endowment in young adulthood that would accumulate over time and protect you from bad decisions, either of your parents or of yourself. Call us at 877 my take Post a comment at thetakeaway.org.